All right, all right. Thanks for your patience. Uh, ready to get this thing started here. Uh, my name is Greg Meskel, uh, sports broadcaster here to help facilitate a good conversation here. I was, I was tempted to have the DJ play next episode by Dre because when you're talking, no stems, no seeds, no sticks, right? Uh, but we're talking CBD more, more than weed here. We're here with uh, Jonathan Casillas, right? Two-time Super Bowl champ, play with the Giants, Patriots, uh, Saints, who dat? And then uh, down the way here, Mackie Barch, president of Culta, company based in Maryland that uh, is involved with cannabis uh, distribution research, all that sort of stuff. So uh, great, great to have these two here. Jonathan, I want to kind of jump right in as we're talking about CBD, and I know it's something close to you. You're also restarting a, a CBD wellness company soon. Talk to me about how you used it when it comes to injuries, right? And not the injuries that put you out for the season, but I think a lot of football players refer to it as maybe banged up, right? An injury you can still go with, but it's going to make life a little bit more difficult. Take us through that injury process. You get hurt. What were the, what were the options available to you when you were playing? And then how did CBD play, or play a role in being a better alternative? Well, thank you. Uh, first off, I apologize for my tardiness. I live in Jersey, right? It took me 90 minutes to get here. I gave myself about an hour buffer time, sure, you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It took me 90 minutes, and they're sitting there calling me. I'm like, I'm right here, I promise. It's crazy. The struggle's but, um, real, yeah. So I apologize. Um, well, so in 2016, I had neck injuries and I had wrist injuries, stuff I was playing through. You know, um, you know, Keith's here. He knows, man, when you play linebacker, man, and running back in those positions that really just have contact every play, and not just lineman versus lineman where you're like a few inches apart, you know? Talking about, you know, 20 feet against, you know, against each other, running full speed, and you banging with these guys on a consistent basis, you know? So I had a lot of stuff that I was dealing with. Um, after the season, um, I had some, some wrist problems that year. Couldn't really get off blocks, you know what I'm saying? And it, it, was, it was tough. After that season, I let my body calm down for about two months. And as I started lifting weights, like anybody, you know, I love to lift weights too. Um, so I started lifting weights and my wrists were still bothering me. So I went to the Giants, uh, went to the, to, the, to the doctors, not the doctors, excuse me, the trainers, and I talked to them and told them about my wrist. It was like, you know, I heard it back in whatever, against Philly. And they were like, oh yeah, okay, just we're gonna, we're gonna stay after it. So they started treating it, icing it, doing the normal stuff that they would normally do for an injury. Got minimal relief, you know, but that year, I couldn't plank, you know, like I loved doing push-ups. I couldn't even get down in a plank position because my wrists were so bad and I had like some severe swelling. And the left one was worse than the right, but they both were kind of messed up. So one night I went home after getting the treatment and this is off season. I went home and I'm chilling. I smoked a joint and I got some CBD cream that my um, massage therapist had left in my house. And I'm just chilling, watching, I don't know, South Park or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I started rubbing it on my wrist not really paying attention to it. I'm doing it for like a couple minutes and all of a sudden, like the pain went completely away. You know, I've been dealing with this thing since, you know, for months. Sure. Doctors then treated it. You know, I got it injected during the season. You know, after the season, I'm hitting with ice and stem. I'm stretching. I'm doing everything I can do. And then all of a sudden, CBD takes it away immediately. Got full range of motion back, was able to plank like immediately, you know? So that's when I was like, holy shit. You know, like, I mean, of course, I know what weed is. You know, I know what, what cannabis is that, you know, we like to have fun with that, you know, and it treats other symptoms. But to have that instant pain relief was, like, so mind-opening for me, uh, so eye-opening for me, and it, it mind-blowing. And, you know, ever since then, I've been, you know, not only an advocate, a user, um, you know, but I've been trying to learn as much as I can about it. And, and of course, I'm opening my own CBD line, too. So, so you bring up a lot of good points there. And 
Mackie, maybe a good time for you to jump in, right? You talked about the CBD cream, but then also smoking a joint, right? And I think, Mackie, you can kind of dispel maybe some myths here about when it comes to CBD, how is that different? Or, or what are the biggest misconceptions people have about maybe the cream that he used? Yeah, so uh, effectively the plant's the same thing, whether it's THC-focused or whether it's CBD-focused. They've been bred over you know, centuries, if not millennia, to have different characteristics. So the regulated market has to do with THC. The unregulated market has to do with CBD. CBD was federally legalized under the Farm Bill in 2018. And if we look at it as a modality of treatment, we, we often forget that the first pharmaceutical company wasn't invented in about the 1850s, it was the Bayer Corporation. Prior to that, our whole history of medicine has been plant-based. We've just forgotten. And then over the course, uh, starting with Harry Anslinger in the 1920s and 30s, um, who was a well-known Damn him. Yes, bigot and racist, <laughs> um, started advocating to be able to take this and make it criminal. And it was under Nixon that it became kind of weaponized, and it was under Reagan that it became nuclear. Actually, Reagan got into a fight with Tip O'Neill in a quarterly uh, election in the midterm. And that's where mandatory minimums came from. That's where you know, sentence guidelines came from. And when we have an alignment of very bad policy with politics, it comes to these horrible outcomes that we've seen from multiple generations of poor, mostly black and brown people being put away at record relates for nothing but a plant. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do ahead to kind of unwind this, this, this uh, institutional prison system that's built on the back of cannabis. So you talked about something that you found through, through your massage therapist. You kind of explained maybe some of the differences. Prior to that, you mentioned the treatment, the stim, the things that normally happen with CBD not being a thing that's being offered by teams. What, what are the other methods? You know, I know it gets to write shots of Toradol, things that are, that are pretty extensive. What are the other ways that they're trying to keep you out on the field? And I know you've written about this where it, it, it can become a brutal cycle, right? You take the shot to get ready for the game. You are able to play, then it wears off. You're back in pain. Rinse and repeat, 16 weeks, right? What, what's that process like and what are they offering currently? Well, um, they, they're, they're cracking down on it, you know, um, from when I first got into the league in 2009. And when I first got into the league, I had some issues. I was hurt coming in. I got hurt my senior year in college, so I was dealing with a knee. And then, like, like anybody, you know, you start dealing with shoulders and ankles and little stuff like that that's going on. And then I remember one of the first games, you know, I looked in the training room, and I'm not going to say his name. He's retired, but I'm not going to say his name. Everybody knows him in here, but I'm not going to say his name. But he's very well respected. And I seen him getting a shot in his ass. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? What the hell is that? Um, you know, and, and he was like, it's called, he was like, it's called Toradol. I didn't remember the name when he first told me, but he was like, it's the T-Train. You know, everybody, you know, jumps on the T-Train, sure. you know? Everybody jump on the T-Train. <laughs> um, but I was nervous at first. I'm like, man, first I ain't getting no shot in my ass, but that ain't about to happen. But then like, I seen other guys doing it who was like very well respected, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I could play with what I got going on now. Then I start playing my, my rookie year, and I get some things going on. I'm like, man, my knee is so sore. I had surgery in December in my senior year, so my knee was kind of bothering me. So I was like, you know, fuck it, let me just go ahead and give it a try. So I got to shot my ass, you know. <laughs> they're, like, look, there are different ways to do it, but back then, that was the way to do it, you know? Yeah, I got that shot too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... um. You know, boom, whatever, pinch, whatever, cool. And like, you don't really feel it, like, because now you're thinking about it, like, all right, how do I supposed to feel? Then all of a sudden, you go out in pregame, you like, holy shit, my knee, I can't feel my knee. 
you know, my fingers feeling good, you know, my neck's feeling great, like, I just, you just feel good. And basically, Toradol is like the strongest anti-inflammatory, like, out there, you know, that they can give us. And you take it, and what it does, it, it doesn't take away your problems. It just makes you forget about them, really, you know? So, let's say the game's on Sunday, I'm playing against Philly, you know, I'm banging against Sproles and, and Carson Wentz and all them boys. Uh, or Dallas, whatever. I'm banging Zeke Elliott, you know what I'm saying? Like this, you know, I'm in there, you know. And all of a sudden after the game, we win-lose. Next day, um, we, we either do a shakeout run or victory Monday, whatever. But that's the day you're supposed to support, you're supposed to, um, you're supposed to talk about your injuries. You got to bring them up. Um, you got to, you know, report your injuries to the training staff. Um, and that's how, you know, you get the injury reports and all that stuff. That happens on Monday. But the thing it is about Toradol, it doesn't really wear off until like Monday night, Tuesday. So like Monday, I can go into work, feel fine, you know, and all of a sudden Tuesday, a day and a half after the game, I wake up like, yo, my neck or my knee or whatever, and that's when it starts wearing off. Tuesday's an off day, so now you get your treatments, your massages and acupuncture, chiropractor, whatever stuff that you do, Epsom salt baths, I did all of that stuff on a consistent basis. And then Wednesday's a work day. So now Wednesday, you got to put your pads on again, and you're still feeling the game, maybe even worse, because now you're really feeling the stuff. Toradol is all out your system, and now you just, you know, a lot of people took Advil for practices, you know, yeah. so we would do Toradol, two or three Advil, four Advil sometimes per practice, you know, per practice. Wednesday, Thursday's the hard days, Friday's a little faster, maybe not, you know, no, no, no pads, Maybe you take it to Advil that day, you know, lighten it down. Saturday's cool, but then Saturday is kind of like when you, I mean, later in the season, week 14, 15, 16, 17, especially when you're in the playoff hunt and you're going after it every day, that's about the cycle. You know, Saturday you start feeling better, and then Sunday's game day. Tore it all again, and then the process repeats itself. And, and just kind of thinking back on my Advil knowledge, right? The average person, what, maybe two Advils every 12 hours, right? Well, I'm so pop, I'm popping four. Yeah, yeah. For practice. Like, yeah, so. For sure, 100%. Higher than recommended use, it sounds like. Uh, so, you know what I used to say? Yeah. No, hold on. You know what I used to <laughs> yeah. say? Look, I'm a, I'm a big joker. I like to have fun. I talk a lot of shit. So I used to walk into the training staff and be like, how many Advils would it take for you to pass out? I'm like, give me, give me one less than that. <laughs> So as, as this has now grown, uh, you know, in, in popularity, right, you're not the only former or current NFL guy talking about CBD, right? We hear Terrell Davis, Rob Murkowski guys getting involved. When did you start to hear about this more? You didn't, you didn't use it, right, till 2016, but yeah. when you start hearing about it more, what's that sort of groundswell of support look like among NFL players? You know what, 2016 was about the year really started, you know, my, my massage therapist, you know, she was uh, going to like expos and stuff and really starting to learn and trying to like, you know, implement different, you know, things into her, her practice. And um, CBD was kind of just getting discovered then and really trying to, really starting to take off. But now, you know, two or three years after that, you know, there's so much, so many products out there, but the thing is, it's such an unregulated mm -hmm. market, you know, and um, you get some bad reviews because I feel like a lot of people are just slapping labels on products, not really doing their due diligence and their research, and you get crap product. You know, so once we start working towards regulation and, you know, standards and, and stuff like that, I feel like there's going to be some up and down, you know. Um, you know, that's, I, I, that's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I took, a, you know, I'm done with football. My first priority is be a dad, you know, and I'm, I'm you know, it's, it's so interesting when you really done with ball and you got all this freaking time on your hands and you're like, 
holy shit, like, I wasn't being the dad or the person that I thought I was being because I was so prioritized with football. You know, so that was number one, getting, you know, being a dad, reattaching myself to the dad life and being a, a good father that I thought I was, you know. Um, and then figuring out what I'm passionate about, what I like to do. Of course, I love to smoke weed, you know. So now I'm like, all right, let me figure out a way in this industry. And it's something that I've been learning about at that time. You know, I wasn't retired in 16. I retired basically last year. So for a year and a half, I've been studying CBD, um, you know, of course using it, trying to figure out ways that benefits me. How could I use it? You know, so then I start figuring out, you know, that this, this realm, this world is not like football. Keith and guys in this room, anybody that play football at the highest level, like you're proven, you know, so like, it's not like a slapping a label on a guy and putting him out there, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if a guy's playing with me in the NFL, on, on, and he's part of 53 man, he is, he is, he can do his job effectively, you know? And now I'm getting into this stuff, there's a lot of people that talk shit, they can't do their fucking jobs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They can't, you yeah. know? It just, you know, and, and I don't blame them, I have empathy for people like that because at the end of the day, I put in a scenario like this, right? Let's say I, I offer, a, a, I don't know, a cleaning service or something like that, right? And I go over somebody's house and they're like, oh, I want you to, um, I don't know, unclog the toilet, sure. right? I'll pay you for it. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to unclog the toilet. Meanwhile, I don't know how to fucking unclog no toilets, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to get the job done. So I understand that. Sure. But now it's like, take a big step back. Do your due diligence, be patient, learn as much as you can, and then figure out what people are actually good at. Let them show you instead of tell you. Well now, and to further your cause, Mackie, this is probably a big leap, right? But how do you get to the point from where a guy like Jonathan or a current player can go into the training room and if they want to take Jonathan's Advil challenge, they can, or they could maybe be offered something. Don't do it. Or, or they could be offered something CBD. Is it as simple as, a doctor prescribing it, what is, what is the big hurdle in the way? It sounds like there's a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very complicated, difficult question to answer. So first of all, let's take a step back and what is CBD? So CBD is one of the active compounds of about 135 different compounds in cannabis, uh, something around there. First of all, because there's been a prohibition on cannabis for so long, we know very little about it and how it works. That's, that's the first issue, right? So, you know, in, in America's medical dogma, the first thing is, well, I need a double blind study that has to be placebo controlled and all this other but it works, and it works for not only inflammation, it works for Crohn's disease, it works for pain, it works for chemo-related nausea, it works for all these different medical conditions, but because we've been barred from studying it, we don't really understand why, okay? So that's kind of the first step. The second one, the issue that we see with a lot of large corporations and why they haven't adopted it is because there's such a soup and regulatory web of stuff that infringes on other types of things from insurance, uh, to payroll, anything with a federal license. So us in the cannabis space, we can't advertise FCC. Can't say, can't say anything in the mail because that has a post stamp with it. We can't deal with any vendors that are first rate that cross federal lines or have federal contracts. We have to deal with a lot of cash, can't use credit cards. 
So they've created this web, the system that make it very, very tough for guys like him and us to be able to operate in that. But that in and of itself is the opportunity because if it was a home run, if it was you know already controlled, if it was already out there, we wouldn't be able to have this opportunity to, to jump into the space. Um, the first thing is what we need to do is get more research on why it works. Why is it working? Everybody has what's called an endocannabinoid system. Think about it as a parasympathetic nerve system. It's, it's part of our biology. We didn't know this until about 20 years ago. So that, so that CBD binds with your body and it fits in there to, to get able to kill that inflammation and it works really, really well, but we don't know why. Um, and so it's gonna take us another 10 to 20 years to really figure out exactly why these compounds are working, but what other parts and what other compounds within what's called the uh, entourage effect of cannabinoids are having this effect, like THC for pain. Um, there's a lot of people that are giving up chemo treatment for very large doses of THCA, so they don't have to go into chemo. Works for some people, doesn't work for others. Um, there's great documentary out there called Weed the People on Netflix, if you haven't seen it. Um, but more and more people are starting to take control of their own health and trying to find um, what I say to use plants as a frontline treatment. I don't think plants like you know like cannabis are ever going to push out you know a, a medical pharma, but if we can use plants to lower upfront healthcare costs or at least put people on plants first before we put them on pharmaceuticals, that's a great step forward. But think about trying to how to make that work. We're going to completely have to retrain doctors how to approach it because right now doctors think plants have no place in medicine. How do we begin to train doctors and trainers that plants do have a place in medicine and use as a frontline treatment? We are a very, very long way away from that. Um, and if we look at right now, opiates this year are gonna kill more people than car accidents. And guess what? The US government is not equipped to take on big pharma. It, it is bringing a BB gun to a, to, a, to a bazooka fight. They are gonna get killed in court, they're gonna get dragged out. And big Pharma run this shit. Yes, they do. And they run it because they control, there's a revolving door between Big Pharma and FDA. And depending on the administration, they go back and forth and they work with one another on trying to basically set up roadblocks, most of which are just who can spend more in the court system. Right now, Purdue Pharma and a lot of the other opiate producers like Johnson & Johnson are trying to have a class action settlement so that this thing doesn't become a gold leaf settlement like Big Tobacco. And for them to get away from killing so many people for so long with no consequences, it's criminal. Um, but again, the US government is not equipped to go against big pharma because it's a spending competition with law firms. Um, and so if we, you know, the people in this room, if people begin to advocate to say, hey, what, you know, we want more plants in medicine, we want to have alternatives, we don't want to go to pills right away, we want to be able to use these, I mean, eventually people have to listen. Um, and CBD, the way that I look at it, is the very tip of the spear to start having this dialogue. Um, Johns Hopkins now is the leading researcher on psilocybin for PTSD and end-of-life care. LSD, ketamine, all these compounds that are taboo to talk about all have medical efficacy. Do they have some propensity to be abused? Sure. But if they can make somebody's life better, if it's gone to war and we can make them better through that, they're saying they can get 10 years of therapy in a single guided LSD session. Oh, but LSD has a propensity for abuse. Well, I don't give a shit. If we can get somebody better because we sent them off to war or somebody has you know, depression or somebody has end-of-life care, and we can make their life better just because we've been trained in this unreal dogma, starting with Nixon and Reagan, that all drugs are bad, you know, this is, this is the mindset that we're up against that we have to change. And it's gonna take a long time. And we've been indoctrinated with lies for so long that there's generations of people, no matter what we do, they're gonna believe it. Um, I think you know a lot of the issues that we have today between you know certain communities and the police. All that is predicated. A lot of it is on the war on drugs. 
And so the, the ending of the war on drugs has large implications, not only for, for medical efficacy, but also dealing with the institutional prison system that we don't talk a lot about right now. And so all these things are tied together, and it's really starting with CBD and cannabis. Yeah, this it, is, it's, it's, uh, it sounds like quite an uphill climb, right, as you're describing all the layers that are involved, but it sounds like obviously research is central, and then patients and people advocating on behalf of themselves, right, which I think across all medicine, right, you in any situation need to be your own best advocate for any sort of care yeah. you're getting, whether it's a knee surgery or, or plant-based medicine or something else. Going forward, Jonathan, your, your company restarting things that Mac you're doing from a pro athlete, from a high level athlete standpoint, what does an ideal future look like, whether it's five years, 10 years down the road? Well, I think first off, you know, let's start researching this thing. You know, let's, let's figure out, you know, the top athletes of the world, you know, um, let's figure out what it does for them, especially for football players, rugby guys, soccer guys, you know, people that play more than just contact sports where there's collisions and there's a lot of, you know, bruises on a daily basis that you have to fight through just and you have to fight through them just to practice not only for the games you know um i, I feel like that's a start um and then and then regulation you know all of the stuff that he said i can't name all of the drugs that he said but you know he's not talking about recreational use he's yeah. talking about medicinal use sure you know so that that comes at regulation you know alcohol is on every other commercial on every single channel you change especially the sports channels so they, they're pumping alcohol tobacco they're pumping that on us, and that's not like, you can't, have, you have no benefits out of that. I mean, we all have a good time when we drink, but our worst parts, our worst stories in our life are probably coming from when we were drunk as hell. <laughs> right? Am I wrong though? The, the darkest times, the, sh the times you were like, man, <laughs> I wish I had that night back. You know, she might not even remember. You know, they come from alcohol and they just pumping it, pumping it, pumping it. You know, and, and, and the opioid problem, it's the main problem now. Like, that's it. And they're pumping, they, they give football players it like it ain't nothing. Oh, you want a refill? Oh, you got another 60 pills. I only need 10. I got 120 pills. I mean, some guys go ahead and start Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, you mentioned that, right? There's, there's been studies, right? There's like states around the country, right, where there are more opiates prescribed than people living in a certain town or in a certain state. When you talk about places like Kentucky or along Appalachia, right? This, Ohio, this is yeah. where Ohio, these are, these are serious problems. You mentioned some of the athletes, right, getting, getting more than they need, right? And, you know, Dom mentioned as we kicked it off talking about kind of the hypocrisy of being willing to, willing to give you this much stuff whether you need it or not, but then not considering some other alternatives. What's, what's, the, what's the consensus among some, some of your friends, some of your ex-teammates, alumni, about, about that sort of, well, we'll give you this and it may or may not be the best thing for you, but we won't explore some other things as far as we could. Well, you know what? I mean, what he was talking about with Harry Angslager from back in 1920, whatever, when they really started hitting, you know, they called it marijuana because of the Mexicans. Like, that's why they called it that. You know what I'm saying? That's why I got his name. It's, it's cannabis, but they yeah. called it marijuana because it come from Mexico. And you know, if the, the jazz players and the musicians back in the day, if if you use it, you know, they would have the white women yeah. and, and and be all. They'll take the white women away. Sure. <laughs> That's basically what what they said. You know, the Mexicans, the black, the, you know, the black musicians back in the day. You know, so it's been there from the beginning. You know, and I feel like people like myself. 
Gronkowski, that was huge. Gronkowski coming out saying he used CBD. Now I love Gronk. I want a Super Bowl with him. You know, he's he's a jock jock. You know what I mean? Like you gotta love him for everything he is. But that's people like that. That's what we need to kind of push the envelope more. Like I feel like that was a huge step for us. You know, in in the cannabis world. And I hope he plays again. He's talking about playing. Now we have an active guy who's actually speaking out about you know using cannabis. I don't think that happened. Eugene Monroe did it, I don't think he played again. Yeah. Um, Mike James, advocate, he actually went for a, a TUE, which is a therapeutic use exemption for cannabis. Got denied, and he never played again. And I was talking to his doctor that helped him go through that process, Dr. Sue Sisley, and I asked her about getting a TUE for CBD, and she was like, mm, I don't know. I was like, all right, well look, if I'm taking CBD and I take this test, because we all know when the test is coming, the test for street drugs, you know, cocaine, all that stuff, marijuana. We know when it's coming, so gotta stop at a certain time of the year. So I'm like, all right, I stopped smoking weed a month ago, so I'm good, right? but, but I'm still taking CBD, can I fail the test? And she said, I don't know. She said, I don't know. She said, I don't know if the amount you're taking, or there's not enough information. Like she didn't have no answers for me. Yeah, you would have failed. That's where we're at right you now. You would have failed. Yes, right. Test your urine for that's where we're at right now. Yeah, you would have failed. And that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Well, right. Well, you. I mean, didn't you post on Instagram a photo, and the next day a, ran a random drug test arrived, and you hadn't even. Been oh, so hold on. Before. Let me tell the story. Hold yeah, on. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. <laughs> so hold on. I'm in Dominican Republic, um, chilling, and you know how they got the vendors all over, and you do like the, the little four wheeler bike trail. So of course the four-wheel bike trail happened to take you over to the vendors, right? Oh, we're just stopping here on the way. So there's a whole bunch of like locals. I love to support locals. I'm Puerto Rican. I go to Puerto Rico. I hang with the locals. I support them. Dominican, same way, Jamaica, whatever. So I always support the vendors. Buy, buy little things for my daughter, whatever. They had these hand-rolled Cuban cigars. I mean, um, Dominican cigars. They were small ones, not the big, thick ones. They were like blunt size, you know? So I lit up. And I'm riding on the four-wheeler, and my boy snapping pictures. And as I'm flipping through the pictures, I said, bro, this fit, I got to post it. It's so dope. He was like, bro, it looks like a blunt. I said, I know. <laughs> I know. So I literally posted it. was like, it's not a blunt. Like, I know it looks like a blunt, but it's not. But the pic was too fire, whatever. So I posted it. And it was dope. Like, everybody, Bleacher Report, everybody started posting it. But it ain't for because it was dope. It was because it was dope. Yeah, yeah. They thought it was dope. Well, you've had a hashtag, right? Like, so, this looks like a blunt, but it isn't. Right, yeah. right, yeah, right. Yeah. So Coach McAdoo, who was the head coach for the Giants at the time, brought me in his office. He was like, JC, what are you, like, what's this, man? I said, look, Coach, I'm clean. Like, and it was at the time where I couldn't smoke weed. So I was vouching for my own self. Like, I, I know if I get a test, I'm clean because I stopped smoking about 47 days ago, and that means it's been on my system about, you know what I'm saying? Like, I already had the math in my head, so I'm good. That's the reason why I posted the picture. But then it was so crazy. I'm in DR. Next day, I get a text message saying, hey, Jonathan, you have been selected for a drug test. I'm like, holy shit. But, 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 I mean, I had no worries if I was going to fail it. And it was steroids, because they can only test when you're at the facility uh, for the street drugs, you know, unless you fail it, and then that's a whole nother process. But anybody that fails a street drugs test, a SOA, they're dumb. <laughs> they're dumb. Either, either they didn't stop smoking, because you know when it's coming. And I swear, in 2017, well, yeah, 16 and 17, my last two years in the league, they tested, I swear to God, I can't make this up, they tested on 420, 
Two years in a row. 420. 420, two years in a row. And I think it was like a coincidence, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, like, and, and you know, myself, like, I know it's coming mid-April or beginning of April. So I stop end of February, beginning of March, as I'm really picking up training. And like, when that tester in there, like everybody, <laughs> it's so funny. The, the, you see the smokers on a test day. They show up extra early. They come in, they looking for the tester. You got me? Shit. Next week, you know, a tester in there and he's reading through the list. You got me? Yeah, I got you, JC. That's the best day of training camp. You get your test, man. Listen, I caught my text, my dude, hey man, I need a little pack at the practice. It's the best day, man, you know, because it's like cannabis, CBD, marijuana, it treats so many symptoms of playing football. You know, like the bruises, of course, the physical pain, but the anxiety, you know, like every year, guys like myself who was undrafted, um, I worked my ass off to play in the league, you know, and I had a lot of injuries throughout, the, throughout, the, uh, throughout my career. I would, you know, I never got cut, but I got traded and I went to different teams in free agency. And when I went there, I was, wasn't really valued as much as I thought I should have been. So I had to kind of start from the back, you know, second, third string, which is for me, I embraced it. I'm from Jersey City, I'm an underdog. You know, like I, I always had a chip on my shoulder. So it was cool for me. But like this anxiety that goes along with, if I'm playing in this last preseason game, Number one, I might not make this team. Number two, this might be the last fucking game I play in in my career. And this shit is over. Yeah. And that is a real feeling. Think about that, man. Like going into a game, you're beat up, but you gotta play 98% of snaps, all the snaps on special teams, and then make the team. Like that, that anxiety is crazy. Being able to sleep, the nausea, I mean, all, all of the stuff that that football, you know, creates for an average person like myself. You know, I say I'm average because I'm no different than everybody. I just started lifting weights a little earlier, you know what I'm saying? That's it, you know? So that getting over, getting over those hurdles from, from the historical beating and stigma that we've had for so long in the cannabis plant is gonna take a lot of work. Gronk was huge. When he talked about the whole kneeling situation, I said, what would help us of course, Kaepernick did, he think, did his thing, but we needed a white quarterback. And, and it is race that plays into this. Sure. It is. You get a Drew Brees that comes out and say, I smoke weed, the world will change. I'm telling you, yeah. it will. Yeah. I mean, I love Drew, and I hope he doesn't, because I think it's going to, like, you know, I think it's going to kind of tarnish him, but I hope he does. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, it's a, you know what I mean? Well, it's interesting, too, you talk about kind of, kind of the drug test, right, and knowing when those will kind of come. And, and the pro sports, I think, have those schedules where the athletes can see them coming. I think about uh, a, lot of, a lot of Olympic athletes that represent the U.S., right? They, they have to put in a schedule where they have to give their whereabouts every hour of every day. And they, you, you, you talk about random drug testing. Someone could walk in here right now if there's an Olympian sitting here, take them in the bathroom and drug test them. They never know it was coming. And the pressure that goes in to try and make a team, right, every four years. So athletes across the board at high levels are battling this anxiety, uh, things where they could use some of these creams and other... And other uh, herbs, right, to try and help them out. Let's open up some questions, though, right? Does anyone have any questions here for, uh, for Mackie or Keith, and then we'll kind of finish up? Excuse me, Jonathan. Sorry, I'm looking at Keith. I see Keith. Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, 
So the government has a patent on cannabinoids for neuroprotect as a neuroprotectant, and obviously the NFL has a huge problem with concussions and CTE. How come there hasn't been a push or an openness to explore cannabinoids for concussions, given the fact that that's their, the biggest problem facing the NFL? One of the first issues was that the DEA has only issued one license to one university produce cannabis, which is the University of Mississippi. And the quality of the cannabis that was coming out of there was garbage, so it's really kind of hard to run a study on that. And so they basically, and I think the government's patent is much more broad than a neuroprotectant. I think it's a total patent on all cannabinoids, um, you know, to, it's just, which is unbelievable to me. Um, and so they've stymied the ability for anybody to go out and research any aspect of cannabis. So there's been a push now, and, and uh, you know, to, to the government's credit, the, the push for legalization is very bipartisan. Uh, why is it bipartisan? I think it's bipartisan because everybody now is being impacted by somebody that's had a health issue whether it's cancer, whether it's Crohn's, whether it's pain, opioids aren't working. I mean, you're seeing people that are religious right and people that are progressive left coming together in the middle to try to push this. Now, the DEA is under a lot of pressure right now to issue some more of what's called FTA production licenses so that more research universities can start to study. But what's happening now at a state level is states are actually having to enact legislation so that research universities can start to study this stuff. Um, but we're still, again, if you look at how long studies take, I mean, we're years and years and years away from seeing anything major. Most of the research that's being done today is all coming out of Israel. Um, you know, like, uh, two years ago, when um, Trump called us sons of bitches when they were, we were kneeing, uh, kneeling and stuff, um, I never, you know, chose to kneel. Um, but after that, the next day, the owners had an emergency meeting in New York. And uh, I was chosen from the New York Giants to go. I went with John Mara, the owner of the Giants. And there were, you know, a whole bunch of other owners. It was owners from um, uh, Jacksonville, the owner from Philadelphia, um, Robert Kraft was there. It was a whole bunch of different owners, a whole bunch of leaders from teams. Um, and we all still had a big discussion. Chris Long was there. And we all started talking about, you know, what we're going to do for this problem. And it's so interesting that all the players, we went around the room, we're on the table, and all the players spoke about, um, the kneeling and, and programs and, and spreading awareness and the reasons why we're kneeling and stuff like that. And all the owners kept talking about basically resolving the kneeling issue. They didn't care about the problems and the reason why we were kneeling. They only cared about protecting their business. And that's the same thing with cannabis. They, they care about the stigma that's out there and they're protecting their business. They feel like they'll lose business. You know, so they might, and, and it sucks, but I've been going back and forth with a lot of like retired guys and guys that are connected to the NFLPA and that have you know positions of power that can speak. And, and, and it sucks because the bottom line, they're just trying to protect the brand. And they say they're trying to protect the players, but they're getting in new players every year. Every year. Y'all watch college football, them kids are talented. They're getting bigger and bigger. And they're gonna replace people like me and Keith. We got replaced. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what it is. So, I mean, the NFL, they say they really care about their players, but they care about their teams. They care about their brand. They care about their businesses. You know, so I think that's a whole different conversation in itself, but it's, it's going to be that way. You know what I mean? Because these, these guys are rich billionaires, man. And, and, and honestly, I don't know how many of those dudes are like, like, I'm in the community, you know, and I do stuff on a consistent basis, and nobody has to pay me to be there. You know, but these dudes, they do it 
for the tax write-off. You know what I'm saying? It's different. My stuff comes from here. Them dudes are protecting businesses. They're not really worried about our day-to-day. You know, and it, and I hope there's owners out there. I'm just generally speaking from that conversation I had with them. I was just mind blown that they only really gave a fuck about the, the team. And, and they were scared and nervous that people were going to stop watching football. So as we saw from after that, they didn't freaking, they will always show the national anthem on TV. They don't even show it no more. And people still kneel. I mean, there's a couple guys that still kneel, but nobody's even talking about why they're kneeling anymore? We're talking about Kaepernick getting his job back and Jay-Z partnering with the NFL. We're not even talking about the reason why they was kneeling. And it's the same thing that's happened with cannabis. It's gonna talk about, oh, cannabis in the NFL. Well, why, why are they using cannabis? Not really. Cannabis is treating certain things for these NFL players and helping them. And maybe a guy that had an opioid addiction that struggled in his first year or his first two years is all of a sudden becoming an all-pro. They're not going to talk about that. Yeah, well, these are like classic deflection tactics, exactly, right? If, I, if I'm not about this, I'm going to be what about that, right? And then you move it over here, and now we're looking at this thing, right? And this happens with the kneeling and, and with cannabis and everything else. Um, Keith, anyone else in the back here question-wise? Have you ever uh, questioned the difference or why the NFL isn't allowed to smoke weed, but uh, Major League Baseball players are. Did you ever get a reasoning for that? Especially in a sport where you guys get way more banged up than we do. But with our travel, it kind of made, it always made more sense. But, you know, obviously with the discussion today, I've always wondered if you have actually got an actual reason as to why there's no crossover there. I mean, of course, I think about it all the time. You know, I sit there and smoke my joint and be like, man. <laughs> Dumb motherfuckers smoking. Why we can't smoke? Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, of course, I, of course, I thought of it, but it all comes down to kind of this conversation we're having. You know, what I'm saying the, the, the question I just answered for her with the NFL. You know, I feel like there has to be one of those top guys. I think Gronk is in that position. If he comes back now, we have an active NFL player that spoke out, and of course, it's Gronk. Everybody know Gronk, so he spoke out about using cannabis. And now he's going to be using it while he's playing. So I think that's a great step for us. I think we have a lot of ground to make up. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the color of the NFL. We're a little darker than MLB, I think so. Um, and that's, I think, right. <laughs> but it, it, the NFL is, is a microcosm of the United States, of, of, of the country, you know. And I feel like... We're gonna be the ones, you know, to help push that envelope forward. I think Matt Barnes, um, Kyle Turley, uh, who else? Al Harrington, all of those guys who are advocating for cannabis and admitting that they're smoking weed before games and stuff like that. You know, I feel like that's helping push the envelope. But as as we're continuing to do that, like I said, if we get freaking Drew Brees or Tom Brady to come out, this problem is solved, bro. It is done. It's done. You'd be smoking on the sidelines. <laughs> Tom Brady has a very specific diet. I'm not sure this, this uh, falls in line with what he's working with. Just a couple of minutes left here uh, as we wrap things up. Oh, we have another question down here. In the um, endocannabinoid system, can you explain CB3 receptors and uh, what they do? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know my biology that well. well. I'm about to say, I know CB1, CB2. I ain't even know there was a CB3. I'm about to say, inform me, please. I, I have a question for you, Mitch. Um, if you just said the opioid problem is about to double, it's gonna skyrocket. So 
why what would the necessary steps be to get the NFL to see that can, that cannabis the CBD side is more could be more helpful in the long run for former players because at the end of the day um, to piggyback what Jonathan said, he, talk, he talked about the Turidol. I took Turidol. I took, um, I never took um, Oxycontin or nothing like that, but you could get that. That's, you know, they could get, they'll give you that if you need that. Um, I think the strongest one I ever took was Indocin. It was a pill, anti-inflammatory. Um, so if they have all these anti-inflammatory, who needs to sit down with who to kind of talk about it and make it happen? I'll just jump in. So, so the Farm Bill in 2018 legalized industrial hemp production, which is CBD. So CBD is federally legal in every state. The, the issue is when you first legalize something, it takes years for regs and policies to change, right? Stuff doesn't change overnight. So when you actually go in for a drug screen like he was talking about, you, you take a urinalysis and they test for a metabolite in your urine. They can't tell the difference between CBD and THC. So that's one of the, probably the main roadblocks to it. But it sounds like it's going to take a long time and a lot of dialogue to try to figure out the, the, the issue. Because nothing is ever as easy as just a swipe of a pen. Even at the federal level right now, the way that you know, this bipartisan effort's happening is they don't want to touch it. And so there's something called the States Act right now, which is essentially going to make it a states rights issue. So the feds are just going to say, you know what, we're hands off. Make it a states rights issue. So let's happen they did legalize in Maryland or they did legalize in New York. Might still be illegal in Kansas. You got a game in Kansas, what do you do? You know, it, so it's there's a lot of structural issues to the stuff we're dealing with, and there's not going to be some easy stroke of a pen in Washington that's going to fix any of this stuff. Anyone else? Uh, right, right in front here. For this uh, talk, really appreciate it. Um, I run a, a company called Mentally Fit, and one of the things we do is build communities around mental health. So we get a lot of former athletes coming in saying, you know, they've had trouble with TBIs, um, and that cannabis can actually help those, but they can't use it in some situations. So I was wondering, uh, what does the research say about, you know, cannabis effects, CBD effects on TBIs? Um, so traumatic brain injuries, uh, I think there's some research out of Harvard and the professor's name is Gravelsman, I believe. And I'm not, again, I'm not a, an expert. I run cannabis businesses, so I'm not a scientist. Um, but what they think it is is some sort of neuroprotectant. So it's more of a prophylax to brain injury as opposed to something that repairs the brain once it's been damaged. Um, they don't really understand a lot of it because, again, trying to conduct research studies right now is really difficult. The last large-scale research study in the United States on cannabis, I believe, was like 1966. Um, and so it's been a very long time since we've been able to do it. So they believe in mice um, that they're able to show and prove that it's a neuroprotectant, but they don't understand the modality of why. Again, I'm not a scientist, but that's, that's kind of what I understand of it. Because mice brains are so much closer to ours, you know? <laughs> why don't we do one more, and then we'll kind of take a break, let people uh, stretch their legs. I see Anthony in the back. You can grab him later. He's, we're going to go right here. Uh, I, I could uh, project myself. Thank you, guys. Uh, Jonathan, this is for you. I know Colin Kaepernick is really blackballed for his kneeling, and that's why he's not in the NFL. If somebody came out, I'm not talking about Drew Brees or Tom Brady at all or anything like that, but if it was a notable NFL player that came out for cannabis and they were for using it, I know the owners, they're all, they're older, they're, you know, they, they come from a different generation and all that stuff. Do you see that as you know an issue almost? I know you mentioned it before, but if you could go more in depth, I think that would be. I don't honestly. I don't think a guy would do that because that's putting his career at jeopardy. You know, I mean, if Colin Kaepernick can show us anything, you know, 
you start speaking out about what's not okay. Look, I'm a, I'm all with Colin Kaepernick. I feel like we collectively let him down as a, as a, as a, as a league, as the players. You know, maybe we didn't understand it at first, but we could have did something about it and we didn't do it, you know? Um, but I feel like if a guy does that, you know, he puts his family and his career at jeopardy. You know, so I mean, I mean, if you want to do that, then I'll, I'll help as much as I can, but I'm not, my career's fine. My career, it'll help my career, because I'm getting into CBD. I don't, I'm not doing the NFL no more. So, you know, you got to think about that. You know, we, a lot of guys, you know, black guys, whoever, you know, we don't come from too much, you know, and, and you're in the league, you know, you, you're getting millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a weekly basis. You know, you're taking care of not only your, your immediate family, but your friends, you know, like you're supporting schools. And if you get in trouble for that or something happens and everything else crumbles, you know, so like, I mean, trust me, everybody right now, all the guys, I think they can't wait to retire so they can be like, man, I'm smoking weed on Instagram now because I don't care. But you got to protect the main thing, and, and and the main thing is football, like in most people's lives. I think know? I think if if you know the NFL is anything like the rest of society, what's been happening for most people is they're going to be individually impacted by cannabis in some way. Their wife or a family member is going to get ill. Nothing's going to work for chemo. Something's going to work for Crohn's. They're going to see what cannabis does directly on somebody that they love. And the most likely scenario is that they're going to quietly advocate behind the scenes for a softening of the policy over time, but they're not going to come out and they're not going to come out and directly say anything. Because again, it's, it's at the end of the day, they're looking at it as multi-billion-dollar business. They're not going to rock the boat. So I think it's going to be quiet from behind the scenes. It's not going to be overt out front. That doesn't make any sense. Guys, thanks so much. Let's give a big round of applause for Mackie Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs>